This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into Temple in Heilprin. We are live at Muck's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Enjoying some salad. It's, is it? It's salad day. It's it's salad time. It's salad season. It's salad season, Zach. Sometimes you got to go to a wedding and you have no pants that fit, and you just got to figure it out. When is the wedding? Yeah, June or July or something. so. You're you're you got to start early. You got to start early. Got to start early. Yeah, football season's always tough. Football's oh always, my god, football it's the worst. No one tough. wants to hear about travel, but since I brought it up. You know, you sit on an airplane or you drive and you're gone Friday to a Sunday and you're eating the worst food, like McDonald's at 1130 at night. Yeah. It happens. It does. It does. Yeah, I I was put on a lot of weight during, <laughs> during football season. Yeah, not gonna me too. Lie. Not going to lie. It's uh, a very sedentary lifestyle. We're in, the, we're, in the, we're in the process of trying to drop it. So, uh, But you got the salad tonight here at Mux Bar Grill. But there's, there's a ton of good food for those that are not that are not trying to watch their figure. So um, stop on by. There's some basketball on Purdue looking to right the ship after getting beat at Ohio State over the weekend. Wisconsin is off. They do not play until next Tuesday when they go to Indiana. They've only got four games left. They are 18-9 on the year. They're 10-6 and six in Big Ten play. They got to that double-digit mark for a 20th time in the last 23 years. That's crazy to think about. Uh, I was talking to somebody here at Monks who doesn't remember Wisconsin being bad at basketball. I think there are, are, <laughs> quite, are quite a few people that maybe are in that same... That Consistently same... bad, I presume. There's been a, a season or two that went off the rails. Yes, consistently yeah. bad. Like a bad team that does not make the tournament, which they did not do from 1947 until 1994. Right? So... Uh, it had been quite a long time where they were not very good at basketball, and then they even had a stretch in the mid-90s where they weren't very good, and then they obviously turned around. But that said, Wisconsin is good this year. Maybe not the team that we thought that they were going to be when they started out as hot as they did in 8-1 in Big Ten play, but they uh, they figured a little stuff out against Maryland and, and figured a way to win. Uh, looking at the, at the seeding, and we're going to talk about Greg Gar, we're going to talk about Kirk Penny, going to talk a little bit uh, of football coming up here as well as Wisconsin has a new defensive line coach and EJ Whitlow coming over from Air Force. Um, we'll also uh, talk a little college football playoff, which is already looking to expand after, <laughs> after, after just getting the 12-team playoff in place. And then also uh, some of the position groups as we look ahead to spring ball. Which ones have the most questions? Which ones have the least? We'll, uh, we'll rank those as well. But I, I wanted to start with uh, seed-wise for Wisconsin, as, yeah. as we are now less than a month away from, obviously, you know, significantly less than away, uh, less than a month away from Selection Sunday. Well, it's about four weeks away. I'll shut up. Um, Wisconsin right now in the bracket matrix. It really just depends where you which which one you look at. But they're a, a consensus five seed in the bracket matrix is that about the best case scenario for them moving forward is it the worst case scenario for like what would where would you see their seeding going from with four games left plus the big 10 tournament best case scenario to me at this point is probably a four seed but it's going to take winning some of these big games down the stretch you've got illinois at home you close the regular season at purdue if you can somehow go four and oh here make a little run of the big 10 tournament I think you get into the four, 
I mean, best case might even be three. If you if you literally just don't lose, <laughs> you you know the, you're going to earn a top four seed presumably if you went out, and then you've got three games in the Big Ten tournament. Maybe you climb. I think you're a three easy to a three. I think yeah. you're, I think three. Like if they win seven straight here, the problem is eight straight. And I always hate this. The Big Ten tournament ends four seconds before the NCAA tournament brackets come out. Now I imagine they have contingency plans, but it's almost like that game doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> what right. you've seen. Right. Right. But so three to four to me is best case scenario. Worst case, you keep backsliding and you're going to play your way into a seven seed. Yeah. I think I think best case is probably a three. And if they were to do what you just said, win out, they'd have wins against Illinois, Purdue. Yep. Uh, I would assume Illinois again in the Big Ten tournament, and then potentially Purdue again. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> they would be, they would be a, a top three seed. Maybe even, yeah. I mean, two would be a little strong, but like three, yeah. would be easy. I think, I think seven, maybe, maybe if you can't find more than, I mean, if you don't beat Rutgers at home, if you don't go to Indiana and get a win, those are two tough losses, right? So I, I don't think they'll get knocked for losing to Illinois. They won't get knocked for losing at Purdue. But then maybe you're one and done in the uh, tournament. And especially if you don't earn that top four seed, then maybe you're sitting there on Thursday and having a play and you, and you lose to a lower-seeded team. It could, get, it could get a little hairy for you seed-wise. That said, do you feel where, where do you think they actually end up? Five feels about right to me. Um, I you know, now as I look at it, I think that Illinois game at home is going to be really big because Illinois is basically playing at the same level Wisconsin is. They're certainly beatable. It's that home game. It gives you another quad one win, but a quality quad one win for what that's worth. And so I, I, I think the five range feels reasonable at this point, but it's all up to Wisconsin because they've obviously lost some games here that they should not have lost. Now that is par for the course across college basketball, even if Badgers fans don't want to hear that, but I, I think five makes sense. Look, they have seven quad one wins, which is the fourth most in the country. The only teams with more are Houston, Purdue, and UConn. They all have nine. I mean, they've played 13 quad one games, which is right up there in terms of the, like, the most of anybody in the country. You, you could say they're obviously their they're one truly, truly bad loss was the one at Michigan and uh, with their net ranking being in the one, I think like they're like 114, 115, somewhere around there. That That's their truly, truly their one bad loss, but it's only a quad two loss. It's right. not like it's a quad three or quad four where some other teams, you know, around them may have. But I, I look at five, I think five sounds about right, assuming they split these final two games. Maybe you go three and one, and then you, you win that first game of the Big Ten tournament. If you go three and one these last four, you're getting that, that bye. And yes. You're not going to have to play until Friday, which is obviously the, big, the, the goal, right? Like the goal to not have to play until Friday uh, up in Minneapolis is – right where you want to be and you look at the standings they're a half game behind Illinois for number two they're a half game up on Northwestern for number three and then they have obviously Michigan State's a, a full game behind them but they own the tiebreaker against Northwestern they own the tiebreaker against Michigan State because they swept them and they beat Northwestern in the lone game that they played so they would have the, an opportunity to to use some of the stuff they did earlier in the season to get by and then you look at Minnesota, a team they only played once and beat them, um, which is at is, is seven and seven. So they have they have a little bit of leeway. They have a little bit of space to work with, uh, assuming 
they don't necessarily go three and one or or um, you know if they were to go one and three they might be in trouble I know we're projecting ahead because they still have to earn whatever seed it's going to be, but hey, that's what we do here. The five seed is always so interesting to me because I remember as a kid growing up, and it's still the case now, it feels like, you were going to pick that one 12 against five upset, and it happened darn near every year. And even if you win that game, you end up in a five seed versus a four seed situation in the next round, which is always a toss-up. So not an easy spot to be. Wisconsin was in a better position a few weeks ago. But all that matters is, is getting in and hopefully, for the Badgers' sake, playing well down the stretch to have the confidence to try and make a run. You know, the team that kind of re- that reminds me of this this group a little bit was the 2018-19 team that, that started out really hot and then, you know, ran into some issues later in later in the season. And they finished 14-6 and six in the conference, right? But um, they, they barely beat Nebraska in the quarterfinals. Remember that game at, at the United Center? And then they lost to Michigan State. And then went out to San Jose and just got absolutely wiped off the floor by 12-seeded Oregon. Because usually that 12-seed has been one of the teams that's playing really well uh, and just gets in because of what they've done down the stretch. And that Oregon team was. And it was a horrible matchup for Wisconsin. The size that, that Oregon presented was just off the charts. But that is the type of matchup you're looking at if you are a 5-12. and 12. And it, it, Yes, the 12 seed is always the one that you're looking Which one yeah. am I going to pick? Which one am I going to pick? And I guarantee you, if Wisconsin ends up in that five, there are going to be a ton of people picking that 12. I don't really even care who it is. There's going to be a ton of people picking it just because of what Wisconsin has done here in February. And, and those, those things are going to be probably hard for people to wipe away unless the Badgers go on a little bit of a streak here to, to end things. But, hey, we're talking seeding. It's almost yeah. March, baby. It is better than March. talking NIT, right? It is, right? Like, I mean, at this time last year, we we're talking about, I mean, how many wins do they need to get? They're on the bubble. Yeah. Are, were they ever? Were they really on the bubble? Actually, no. And then, like, going down to Indianapolis and watching the, the disaster that was that Ohio State game, like, just not even showing up when you desperately needed a win. Like, it was really bad. And then you had the run in the NIT, and it's like, oh, God, all right, getting some momentum towards next year. And then the North Texas game happened, and... Um, I should say the last eight minutes of the North Texas. Or no, who was Nine North minutes, Texas? 17 seconds. It was North Texas, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, yeah the last, the, the, that last little bit happened and kind of ruined a lot of the good feelings. But we're not talking about last year. We're not talking about the NIT. We're talking about the NCAA. You, you guys are going to have a chance to watch Wisconsin on a Thursday or Friday at the NCAA tournament, uh, which should be fun. All right. You wrote an article today. Uh, we talked about a little bit about last week, your opportunity to chat with Kirk Penny, who's in his first year as Wisconsin's offensive coordinator, right? Is that what, is that that what is we call him? That is the unofficial title. Now he is the special assistant yeah, to Greg to Gard, but basically he was brought in as an offensive coordinator. What does it tell you about Greg Gard as a coach that he's willing to bring in somebody like that and, and kind of give him not free reign in terms of how to revolutionize what they were doing, but kind of at the same time letting him have his way a little bit with it. My sense is that Greg is a pretty progressive college basketball coach in this day and age. He is willing to adapt. He is willing to find ways to make sure that his program can improve, and this is a clear example of it. Obviously, he had a great relationship with Kirk Penny. He was the assistant coach here when Bo was the head coach, and Kirk Penny was a junior and senior and had two great years. was a back-to-back first-team All-Big Ten player, which hadn't happened at Wisconsin in 50-plus years, but this the story goes is that Kirk was 
in town over the summer. His wife is a former Badgers volleyball player. They have three kids, so his, his wife and kids were in the Wisconsin Dells and uh, spent some time with Greg. And it, it wasn't intended to be what it became, but, you know, guys who love basketball start talking basketball and systems, and one day turned into a couple, and Kirk didn't know what his plans were going to be. Was he going to go back to his home in New Zealand? And it looked like he was going to stay at Wisconsin a little longer and ended up asking Greg, if I'm here for a while, do you think there's some kind of a role that I can have? And what they came up with was this special assistant to the head coach. I, I think it's pretty cool. And I know the timing may not have been ideal on the publishing of this story because a lot of the comments are like, well, who cares about the offense uh, if the defense isn't very good? So maybe they need a defensive coordinator. But clearly they've made significant progress offensively. And, yes, that has to do with the personnel. A.J. Storr is a tremendous upgrade as an athletic wing. But the systems that they have in place, in part, come from Kirk Penny. And I had written about this maybe a month ago or so, and we've talked about it, Zach. But they implemented a different offensive system, this ball screen continuity offense, which focuses on, obviously, a lot of ball screens in the middle, near the in the top of the key area, between a four and a five man and a point guard, to create space, rolling angles, a lot of different things that can help you get a mismatch against a defense. Well, that's something that Kirk Penny brought because and when i talked to him i thought this was really interesting too he one of the teams that he played for and he had a 15-year pro career was maccabi tel aviv which is an elite program uh in europe and they were going for a three-peat in 2005-06 and they ran this offense and he was just so impressed by how well they played in it that it stuck with him all these years and so they brought that to the table so that's one thing that he's brought is the offense and a lot of the scouting and the analytics and stuff and what he's doing behind the scenes and if you ever go to a practice and you have an opportunity at the end he's always working on three-point shooting with the with the guys and that is so valuable for someone who is as good as he is because he said i'm you know you can teach three-point shooting in the off season you can teach it in the season but if you do it in the season you better know what the hell you're talking about right. <laughs> and obviously he does yeah three point like i've seen a lot of people like oh yeah you know eventually the guys are what they are three point shooting wise and i disagree i do too i uh, in you know in season yes definitely tough but you're right he has a very he's a very good he was a very good three point shooter he kind of he should know what he's talking about but yeah. i always i'm always amazed and I know this is a name that a lot of people don't want to actually talk about, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. Um, Alando Tucker, as a <laughs> as a player here, his three point shooting, his three point shot was just like a just uh, like a beeline to the rim. Like it, it had no arc whatsoever. It was nothing. We got to see some practices, you know, when he when he was an assistant coach, and he was shooting after practice, and he had the prettiest three point shooting three point shot I've ever seen, and. Everyone was going in. It was like pretty arc. The release was great. It was so you can improve as a three point shooter, and I think it's great that he has um, that in his repertoire. That said, what do you think his future is as a coach? So that is a mystery because when I asked him about it, he was very clear about just focusing on the present. He he, he wants to make this group the best that he can. And when I was talking to Greg about it, and I think this is interesting too for for Badgers fans who obviously aren't thrilled with the way things have gone of late, although a lot of that has to do defensively. Greg felt like when Kirk came, it was, I mean, it was later in the game now. I imagine this was put in place before it was actually announced in November. But with an entire offseason to build on this foundation, he thinks that year two and the jump that they could make offensively with everything that uh, they want to put in, because they haven't put everything in, he doesn't want to overload the guys, could be significant. And so my 
thought process and hearing that is, well, Kirk Penny could potentially be involved again next season. But I think the future for him, I mean, an assistant coach somewhere, I don't, but I also, it depends on what every guy wants, right? Like how we talked about Jim Leonard and all the places he could have gone and he wanted to be at Wisconsin. Kirk Penny clearly loves Wisconsin and he was on staff at, in, at Virginia under Tony Bennett in, um, sort of an interesting capacity as well. So he's now building that experience, but I think he's got a really bright future. He's only 43 years old, and he's only been removed from his professional playing career for a handful of years, and they were stuck in New Zealand, he said, for almost three years because because of COVID, because everything was shut down. They didn't have a flight from Auckland to Chicago until the like end of October 2022. So they were stuck there for two and a half years, which put a significant crimp on trying to be a college basketball coach. So he's really at the start of his coaching journey. It should be interesting. Uh, he's, you know, I feel like we're always looking at for like the next, who's going to be the next head coach at this particular school. And for a long time, it was at Wisconsin, like who's going to be the next guy. And, you know, when it was when it was Brett Bielema, Brett Bielema left, it was going to be Paul Christ, right? And if Paul Christ ever left, it was going to be Jim Leonard. Um, you know, if, if when Greg Gard retires or... Well, Joe Krabinoff, I think, is... Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. But there are other names to, sure. to throw out there. And, and, and based on what Chris McIntosh did, and who knows, again, this is not going to happen anytime soon with, with Greg Gard, um, but... I don't think it's just Wisconsin guys anymore, right? Like what we've seen, what and if it didn't, if it doesn't work, like if Luke Fickle doesn't turn us around and get it going back to the way we are used to seeing Wisconsin football, maybe they'll go back to uh, the Wisconsin way. But um, I think Kirk Penny could be a, head, a good head coach yeah, at some point, absolutely down the line. Um, you mentioned the offense, mentioned the defense. <laughs> I'm wondering for you, which one will decide? how far Wisconsin will go. We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. This is Temple in Heilbrunn, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple in Heilbrunn. We are at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Enjoying some salad. One of us is, I guess. It's wedding season. You got to do it. <laughs> Enjoy might be a strong word, you know. <laughs> no, it's it's good for what it what it's designed to do, which is lighten it up. Which is make you feel like you're eating actual food. Yeah. All right, so before the break, we are talking about Wisconsin's offense under Kirk Penny, and a lot of people, when you wrote your story, were more talking about the other side of the ball for Wisconsin because it has been a bit of a struggle for them this year on the defensive side. And then it, in the grand scheme of things, it isn't a big struggle. Like, when you look at every other team in the country, for the most part, Wisconsin's not bad no. at defense. They're just not Wisconsin good at defense. You look at Ken Palm with the adjusted defensive rate, they're, they're 40th in the country. That's not bad, right? That's not horrible. But when you look at it historically for Wisconsin, it's the second worst ranking for them in the Ken Palm era. The only year that they were worse than they are right now was the year that they missed the tournament in 2017-18. That's the only year that they were worse than they are right now. And earlier this year, they were even worse than that. <laughs> But they're at like 98.7, which is 
not great for, for Wisconsin. So my question for you is that the offense has also fallen off a little bit, right? When we were talking about this this earlier, when they were the worst in the Ken Palm era, they were the third best offense in the Ken Palm era. But they have fallen off. They're 17th now in the country in Ken Palm's rankings. For you, which will decide how far Wisconsin will go in the NCAA tournament? Will it be their offense or will it be their defense? I feel pretty firm in this discussion that it's absolutely the defense. Um, I know we've talked about, I've certainly written a lot about the offensive improvement, and yet, what has Wisconsin been built on for so many years? It's defense. And where has this team struggled significantly in some of these losses? Yes, offensively, they've (laughs) fallen back to the pack a little bit, but defensively, man, like that Iowa game, for example, in the overtime loss to Iowa, the Badgers lost 88-86, it just felt like Iowa's guards were getting whatever they wanted off the the screens around the free throw line, and um, you just you cannot have that. I think Wisconsin can go into the NCAA tournament and have a pretty good offensive team or an offensive game, and still lose if their defense isn't what it needs to be, and that has to be an area of concern for this team moving forward. It's weird because I feel like we always would be like. What, give me a better offense than a defense, right? Like because yeah. you've seen it for so long. Both, you know, if we're being fair, football and and basketball wise, it's like just just give me a good offense. I'll take a good offense over a good defense. And then you see a good offense and a not so great defense, or not a Wisconsin level defense. Right. And you're like that's so annoying. Like I've watched how many I've watched how many scoring droughts, and that's annoying. But like guys getting to the basket at will and just because it's a, a lot of it's so much effort stuff, and I, I realize there are other aspects to defense. I'm not, uh, I'm not a basketball savant, but I understand that. But it, this year has just been such a an eye opener in, in terms of what it means and what it what it takes to play defense. And I just look at this group and I'm like, they can be better than they have been. And I look at that first half against Maryland, who has guys that are going to are certainly offensive weapons. Jameer Young, what he can do to get to the, the rim and the way that they initiate contact, the way that they played in the first half, that was that was very, like, Wisconsin-ish defense, holding them to under, you know, I think it was like .8 something, uh, 8.5 per uh, possession in the first half. Take that every day. But then the second half came along, and it was 1.3, and I know a lot of that was in the last minute. But I think they are capable of it, and Greg Gard said it, they are capable of being a better defensive team than they than they have shown. That's exactly what I was going to say, Zach, is I think that's got to be part of the frustration, not only for the guys on the team, but certainly for Badgers fans, is you have seen them perform defensively at a high level. It just hasn't been consistent. The Marquette game was a great example. There have been several games where um, you know they put themselves in a good position defensively. And Maryland, what did Maryland have, 29 points in the first half? 27 yeah. points in the first half, something like that? So they can do it, but I think about what we, you mentioned in the last segment that 12-5 game where Oregon just kind of had its yeah. way. I remember Peyton Pritchard. And th- there are certain aspects that can give this Wisconsin team trouble defensively. And so it's like the the super athletic quick guard or strong guard who can get into the lane and get his shot whenever he wants and the really physical big man. Yeah. And then what happens if Stephen Crowell's in foul trouble and who are you going to rely on? Um, those things can rear their ugly head and all it takes is one bad 10-minute stretch and that can be it for wisconsin so it the talent is there they're fully capable of doing something real special here in the ncaa tournament i still believe that i mean they weren't number six in the country for no reason but 
you've got to be able to do that consistently. And that's the key question right now is can they do that? I mean, if they're going to hit 90% of their free throws while shooting, like, what was it, 31 of them? That helps. Yeah, it does. It does. I, I go back and just going back to those Ken Palm numbers in terms of, like, it being the second worst. Rankings-wise, it's not, right? Like, they, they're they 40th in the country. They've been worse than 40th in the country a number of other times than than that 2017-18 team. I mean, they were 61st in 0102 when they won the Big Ten title. They were 61st in 0506 um, when they uh, struggled a little bit. But I go back to that 13-14 team. They were ranked 35th in the country. The 14-15 team was ranked 35th in the country. So it's not like they had great defenses those years, but their offense has not been as efficient and as good as it had been in the early, earlier. So you have to pick it up on the other end, or else we're going to see what we've seen, I think. So, all right, uh, moving on here. A little, uh, little overaction, no. Mm-hmm. Great guard needs to be fired. Oh, my goodness. And I bring this up. People are going to freak out on me, but I bring this up. Because, fair, when you wrote your article about Kirk Penny, a lot of the questions were about when is Greg Gar going to be fired? Well, or, or was it the? Excuse me. It was excuse me. It was the mailbag that you you yeah. asked for questions in, and a lot of them were when right. Is Greg so Gar gonna a, be fired? A, again, as it <laughs> pertains to timing, uh, every few weeks, especially during the off season, I'll do a mailbag and the submission request posted Sunday, which just so happened to be right after Wisconsin lost in overtime to Iowa, and no fewer than ten of the questions were about Greg Gar's. <laughs> status moving forward uh his job status and so i just figured what the heck i'm gonna answer one of these questions here in this mailbag if this many people are so passionate about it right now then let's do it um it's an absolute overreaction that uh what what, what was the framing of the question that he needs to be uh great guard needs to be fired yeah absolute overreaction i understand why as a fan you are frustrated by the fact wisconsin is two and five in february i think they're several things to point out and you talked about this before overall this team is still 18 and 9 10 and 6 in the big 10 has what 12 or 13 quad one and quad two wins and no so-called really bad losses i know the michigan loss wasn't a great loss but in the bigger picture i think you have to step back and look at what college basketball is right now and and you you like you can't have this conversation about Greg and Wisconsin without having this bigger picture conversation about college basketball. Twelve of the 14 teams in the Big Ten have at least six conference losses. And Illinois has five. Just lost last night. That's the number two team in the Big Ten right now. And as of last week, I had a colleague who wrote an article about this. Uh, I think top ten teams going on the road against unranked teams, as of last week, were 32-33. and 33. Sub 500 on the road against unranked teams. This is for top 10 teams, which is the worst record that top 10 teams have had on the road against unranked teams in the modern era, which is like 84-85 when the three-point line, uh, or no, when the NCAA tournament expanded to 64 teams. So you, you have to factor that in. Like, this is not a uniquely Wisconsin situation. I understand that the team struggled significantly last season after January, and it kind of feels like, oh, is something similar happening here? But what I would also say is, like, when Paul Christ was fired, it was pretty clear that Wisconsin's football program was trending backwards, and it felt like they were farther away from competing in the Big Ten and in the college football landscape. I don't feel that way about the basketball program. I just, I don't. I mean, they're, we're talking about the NCAA tournament in a five seed, and at the very least, I'd like to see how this season plays out. You can make your judgments at the end of the season. Let's say they completely flame out and lose a 12-5 matchup. You might not feel very good. On the other token, uh, most of these guys are expected to come back. You never know what the transfer portal. And he's got Daniel Freetag coming in, who's 
probably his most significant recruiting one since he's been a head coach. So, like, those are all my reasons to say, like, can we just slow our roll a little bit? I know the hashtag fire guard crowd comes out every time they lose a few games in a row, but I think this program in general still feels like it's in, in solid footing. Yes, I would agree. Um, just to your point about struggling on the road, there's one Big Ten team with a winning road record Unbelievable. in play, and they are 5-3. and three. They're also the third-ranked team in the country, that being Purdue. Uh, nobody else, nobody else is... Uh, above 500, Wisconsin three and seven, Illinois four and five, uh, and there is only one team under 500 uh, uh, at home in Big Ten play. So I guess it, which kind of makes sense here, right? Because there's such a muddle of teams in the middle. But Michigan's the only team with a losing record at home. They're two and six. One of those wins happens to be Wisconsin, <laughs> right. so that doesn't that doesn't necessarily help with the argument, but. We're yes. not looking in. We're not looking at the small. We're looking at the big picture. Right. And one of those losses, by the way, top top ten team going on the road and losing to an unranked team, Wisconsin at Nebraska. So you know, just part of the big picture. Yeah. All right. So we've talked a ton of basketball so far. Wanted to get a little football here. AJ Whitlow is a great defensive line hire. <laughs> we've known about we've known about EJ Whitlow for a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, I want you to decide: is that an overreaction or not? Are you really going to make me pick a side here, <laughs> knowing absolutely nothing about him until a few hours ago? Yes, sir. Seems like a good hire. I have to trust that Luke Fickle is is hiring people that have great coaching acumen. I think on paper, the first three hires that he made this offseason, bringing assistant coaches, felt like really good hires. Um, and he was a defensive line coach previously at Air Force, which in his first season was extremely successful, one of the top defenses in the country. He's also got ties to the staff here because he spent four seasons at Grand Valley State when Matt Mitchell was the head coach, and Mitchell is now the outside linebackers coach for Wisconsin. All that is to say he's been coaching for a little while, he's had some success, and I have no idea what he's going to bring to the table here. I think the bigger challenge is, and this would have been the case for any name you throw out there who's going to take over the defensive line, is the personnel that he has to work with. And what are you going to do to maximize this group where James Thompson Jr. is the only guy who's returning who had more than one sack? That may or may not be something we can talk about in the yeah. next segment. When we, uh, Hashtag tease. Yes. Uh, but one more before we go to the break, though. It's crazy that the college football playoff is already discussing expansion after just getting the 12-team parameter set. So uh, that is, that, is that an overreaction or no? Because they just got the 12-team playoff set for the next two years, but it's potentially, by 2026, could be 14 teams, could be 16 teams. Is it insane that they're already trying to fix a system that we don't even know whether it works or not? Yep. All right. <laughs> that's the short answer. So that's not, that it is, a, that is not an overreaction. No. I, I mean, I just don't get it. But then again, we had uh, 16 teams coming into the league, and, yep. and, and all of a sudden it became 18, and we never got to see what 16 was. So. Right. This stuff happens in college football. Everything moves very quickly. I understand it because they need, uh, be, with so many teams in these conferences now, that they need to allow for more teams from these conferences to get in to the playoff. And so the Big Ten and the, the SEC are probably like, no, we don't want this, this this number of teams to get in. We don't want this number of teams, uh, or we want our this number of teams from our conference to get in on a regular basis. That's, that's something that obviously uh, those two are going to be throwing their weight around that. And uh, we'll see how it all figures itself out. But I honestly just wish we could just get to the end of this whole process and just get set in stone and just do it. 
All right, a little more uh, spring preview coming up on the other side of the break. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple in Heilprin. We're live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Happy hour wrapping up here in just about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. We are talking spring football. Wisconsin will uh, hit the field for the first time on March 22nd. So saith who? <laughs> well, uh, recruits or prospective recruits. So we have yet to get a uh, list of exactly the, the spring schedule yet, but uh, some spring, some some of the prospective recruits that Wisconsin may be trying to get into Madison sent out a schedule. <laughs> that they were provided. <laughs> they were provided. Uh, we have yet to get that, but that's okay. We'll take it however we can get it. Uh, their first practice is going to be the 22nd, and then they're taking two weeks off. They will not practice the next two weeks, and their second practice is April 2nd. Their final practice is May 2nd. I believe this is the first time that I can recall them going into May for spring ball. And what's really interesting about this is that the portal is going to be open for half of the second half of spring. Right? I mean, it opens, I think it's opening April 15th. I think it's like the 16th to the 30th. This is pretty, that part is pretty standard. I think that was this, this case last year as well when you started to see some guys leave. Right, but the fact that you're going to be less than half like right halfway through spring yeah at that you'll point. have seven practices done at that point so that is i mean hey it's it's an interesting it's an interesting move and uh when someone gets to ask luke fickle about it we'll uh it'll be interesting to hear what his idea behind that decision was but either way i wanted to get your take on the positions that you had the most questions about and the positions that you had the least questions about. I, I When I was looking at your list before uh, the break and I was looking at my list, they look somewhat similar. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you uh, I'll let you give your, your, your list of questions with the team, or I should say with the positions that you have the most questions at right now. I would try to be a contrarian and come up with something entirely different, but we, I think we, we probably have similar answers for a reason. We spend entirely <laughs> too much time together that... Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> talking true. about this stuff. So I would say for me, the position that has the most questions, it's probably pretty close. But defensive line and tight end might be 1A, 1B for me. I might even put tight end. You know what? I'll put tight end number one. I will put it ahead okay. right. largely because I don't know what they have. I mean, think about <laughs> last year, their leading receiver at tight end was Hayden Rucci, who had 11 catches. So to me... Yeah, I mean, Riley Nowakowski and Tucker Ashcraft were guys who got significant reps, not necessarily being significant offensive playmakers. That doesn't mean, like, I think Ashcraft has a really bright future. I never would have pegged him as a true freshman to be playing. But I think I have the most questions about tight end because are you expecting those two to carry the load? Jackson McGowan, the LSU transfer, to me, has a golden opportunity here because even though he, you know, didn't, play for much offensively last year at LSU like he was a top 25 tight end out of high school a a very good player they need somebody that they can rely on downfield Phil Longo loves his tight ends and that's why I also am really intrigued by the early enrollees Rob Booker is second but Grant Steck more so yeah I mean he was 247 pounds and 6'6 before he even got here so 
I, you watch some of those high school highlights. He's obviously just blowing dudes up as a blocker. They didn't really have. They didn't throw to him a ton because they ran a wing T. But I think number one for me has got to be tight end because I just don't know what they have. Yeah, tight end's a good one. Tight end is a good one. I'm looking at. I'll go to the defensive line where they have James Thompson Jr. coming back and pretty much nothing else known. Right, like Ben Barton played, Will McDonald, Cade uh, McDonald play. So and then. Kurt Neal started right? in the bowl game. He but. started in the bowl game, so you have the you don't really know what else you have there. Is Jer- is um is, are some of the younger guys that uh, are able to come in and play? Are they going to be able like a Jamel Howard? Like where is he at in his development? Can he help them uh, right away? They obviously have a transfer coming in in Elijah Hills. Uh, Hills, thank you. So they have some guys there, but. Gosh, the new offensive, new defensive line coach EJ Whitlow has some big time answers or to, to find at that position. So that'd be my number two. Yeah, and, and then I think we do differ on, on the third one. I don't know if you even found a third one. Did you find a third one? I really didn't come up with a number three. I feel like I have questions about so many. Yeah. There are some positions where, like you feel, like the offensive line. There are four guys who started in the bowl game. On the other hand, who's going to be that fifth starter? Who's going to be six, seven, and eight? And how good is that offensive line going to be? I'm almost inclined to put them in this top three, um, not because I don't believe in what they have, but because how many years have we been talking about the offensive line not living up to the standard that people believe should be the at Wisconsin? Well, is this year going to be any different? I mean, they've got their fourth offensive line coach in four seasons. So all of that, to me, kind of makes me want to put them in that discussion. Yeah. My third position or my third group was, was cornerback, and you don't really think about that because you get – Ricardo Holman back, you get Nizier uh, Forkarine back, you bring in um, uh, what's his, uh, the, the transfer from uh, You're talking about Michael Mack? No. The, the, the transfer f- Oh, RJ, uh, RJ Delancey the third. Thank you. Yeah, from Toledo. God, that's embarrassing. Yeah. No, uh, okay. R- RJ Delancey. It's a live show. Thank you for helping me out there. Uh, it only took 15 seconds to do it. Uh, they, yes, you bring those guys in, you think those are your starters, but I don't think that's actually the case. I think that they're Ricardo Hallman's, right, for sure. But RJ and RJ Delancey, you might kind of feel like maybe he'll be that guy in the slot. But I think that other spot, whether it's Mari Snowden, whether it's Jonas DeClono, whether it's Jace Arnold, whether it's one of these other guys, maybe Michael Mack, who else is going to step up and step in? Because I don't think, well, Nizier had a, had a solid season. When you go and look at that bowl game, that was not necessarily the type of play that i think you want and they 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 ran through guys that day right they jonas ended up being the guy that ended up going out there and playing uh late in that game so that stands out for me uh the least questions that you have (laughs) it's funny because i have a lot of questions about this position but i look at the talent and think man uh that's a good problem to have and i'm gonna go with inside linebacker don't know if I necessarily would have said this at this time, uh, certainly during the season. But you think about the fact that they've got Jake Cheney coming back, was second on the team in tackles, had 80 tackles last season. Who's talking about him this offseason? Why? Because they got Jaheim Thomas, who they brought in from Arkansas, and Tackett Curtis, who they obviously tried to get out of high school and broke the hearts of Badgers fans. But now he's back after his, his year at USC and was a starter for much of that season as a true freshman. I look at that and think, man, you've got to have a lot of confidence coming into the season about that top three. And they obviously really liked Christian Allegro. Um, got some reps, more reps in the bowl game. I don't know necessarily where he fits in, but I just think that is such a strong top group. And as we've seen at Inside Linebacker, how many are you really going to ask to play? If you have three great 
high-end linebackers inside, that might be all you need. Yeah, I'm anxious to see how it all plays out, right? This is going to be something that when you look at um, when you look at some of the guys that they have at that spot, is it's pretty good. I, I go to safety. Yep. <laughs> when, you, when you have Hunter Walder coming back, you have Preston Zachman coming back, you have Kamali Latu coming back, and you have Austin Brown coming back, all three of them, or all four of them, are guys that have played a ton of football, and I feel really good about that. And then the other spot for me is wide receiver. Yep. Will Balling, Tretch Kekahuna, uh, and I know they lost guys, right? Like, they lose Chim, they lose... Skyler Bell, but the guys that I the guys that are in there, I think are going to be so much uh, a better fit for this. Bryson Green, C.J. Williams, Quincy Burroughs is the one big name because twenty two miles an hour. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, he's running twenty two miles per hour. That was another note. They had at this time last year they had five guys go over twenty miles per hour in the the February twentieth post from Brady Collins last year. Five guys hit twenty. This time around it was twenty one. So they're improving the team's speed. It feels like, it feels like, and Quincy Burroughs is at the top of that. So those would be my safety wide receiver and inside linebacker slash linebacker. I really like some of the outside guys they have, too. Yeah, I, I like outside, too. I have, I wonder what it's going to look like. Daryl Peterson had success last season. You've got two transfers coming. This is Temple in Heilbrunn, live from Mock's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. back here on Temple and Heilprin. We're at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie like we are every Thursday from 6 to 7. We'd love to see you, out here, see you out here. Stop by. But obviously you can also find the podcast wherever you get yours. Uh, finishing things up here with a little talk about EA Football 25. Wisconsin confirmed that they are in the game. Which is the whole EA, you know, it's the whole EA slogan. If it's in the, if it's in the game, it's in the game. That said, they asked. They they put some covers out there. They asked uh, which badger would you put on the EA Football Twenty Five cover. Who would you put out there? I'd put Hunter Wooler because he's earned it. He was one of the guys who was on the. He's he probably going to be a captain. He was one of the four. I yeah. mean, he was also along with uh, Hunt, uh, Hunter Wooler. It was Ches Malusi. It was Jack Nelson. It was the guy that you said nobody was talking about, Jake Cheney. Yeah. I I would kind of go. I mean. Does that speak to the, the lack of like known people on the team? That, that, yes. that Ches Malusi is is the, you know one of the guys that you've put out there because he's 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 no, he's known. Yeah. I mean, I thought Will Pauling maybe would have been one of the names that you could have thrown out there. I mean, he's your leading receiver. He's one of the leading receivers in the Big Ten. But teacher zone. Uh, we also today was also the first day that these guys could actually sign their deals to say that they want to be in the game. They have until I think mid April to to do it. And what they're what EA is giving them is six hundred dollars mm. and a free copy of the game. So congratulations on that. So it's a, it's about a six. I would probably say a six hundred and seventy six hundred eighty dollar value. If you were a D one athlete, if you were at Wisconsin, would you allow your for your name and likeness to be used for that amount of money? Ten million percent, I would. <laughs> I know these guys were like seven years old the last time this game existed, but. You don't want to be that dude who's not in the game when your teammates are in the game. Obviously, there are some guys who have way more value, but you're not going to bargain for that in the, in this game. Well, you uh, can't bargain for it. Right. You have, so, you have no ability to do so. Right. So, <laughs> 10, 
10,000 million percent, I would take that deal. The real question for me is, who's got the PlayStation 5? Everyone. Everyone's already got one? Because if I have a game and I don't have a console to play it on, then it really doesn't do me any good. I guess I'll have to go over to my friends. Everyone in college has it. Yeah. I shouldn't say everyone, but I feel like, yes, gaming is absolutely one of the top things these dudes do. I I know that, like, what are you bringing to Florida? One of them is, like, bringing my PS5 or I'm bringing my Xbox. That's just that. That's just what happens. The other thing that happened uh, today, some some news is the uh, they're thinking about moving the first initial signing date up in in December. Right now, it's I think it's the third Wednesday in December. Is that right? I think it is. Which is also right in the middle of step, <laughs> right in the middle of the portal being. And it's just it's absolutely crazy. And like three days before a bowl game for yes. 50 percent of teams. So they're thinking about moving it up before the portal opens. So that they have all of that situated. Your take? I like it. They needed to do something. It's still insane what December is, but I don't really think much else is going to change. So if you could, if these guys have known for months they were going to pick the school that they're going to pick. So just get it over with a little bit earlier. Give people some time. I mean, it's one step. It's certainly not the, the cure-all to the problems that this sport has right now and figuring out and, and trying to get the timeline and just being as less crazy than it is right now. But... You know someone's going to be like, uh, someone's going to get upset because they get recruited over in the portal after they sign their national letter of intent, and they'll be like, oh, well, I'm going to the portal next time I have an opportunity. Whatever. It's college football. It's crazy. But we love it. We love it. We also love March. Going to talk more Badger basketball coming up next week. Thank you for listening.